RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. A health expert urges the government to consider tightening social distancing rules to prevent another surge in infections. The University of Hong Kong reportedly decides not to renew the contract of an internationally renowned pandemic expert. And Taiwan lays to rest former President Li Tenghui. One of the government's advisers on the coronavirus pandemic is warning that Hong Kong could face a large-scale outbreak unless the authorities move quickly to tighten social distancing measures. Gabriel Leung, who's the Dean of the University of Hong Kong's Faculty of Medicine, says he's worried about an explosion in new infections given their reproductive rate over the past couple of days. The epidemiologist also says all care home residents and staff should be tested for the virus once a week. The health authorities reported nine new local COVID cases today, including clusters linked to pharmacies and a care home. Wendy Wong has details. The latest local cases include a Baptist University student and his younger brother. Dr. Chuan Shukwan from the Center for Health Protection says the university student attended classes for two days before he fell sick last Thursday. We will offer tests for those who have shared the same classroom. They're usually in the lecture theater the type of rooms. According to our understanding, there are not much uh, close contact between the classmates. Anyway, we will offer them tests, but uh, we advise them to cleanse their classroom. But uh, we have not advised the whole school to suspend because um, it's too big. And also, they won't cluster it with each other as uh, similar to primary or secondary schools. Another cluster of infections involved of three men who work at pharmacies in Mong Kok. Officials say the three are friends, but the source of infection remains unknown. A 57-year-old resident at a care home for disabled people in Kwai Chung has also been infected. At least two other residents there have tested positive in preliminary tests. Dr. Chuan says she expects more confirmed cases to emerge from the home. She says the recent coronavirus situation is worrying. We are seeing the cases with unknown sources uh, increasing. It's a worrying situation, so we are afraid that there may be rebound. Three other new local cases are linked to previous infections, while there have been another two cases involving people returning from overseas. The University of Hong Kong has refused to confirm or deny reports that it has decided not to renew the contract of a globally renowned pandemic expert, Professor K.A.G. Fukuda. It says it doesn't comment on individual cases, but contract decisions are based on academic achievement and a person's nationality is not a factor. Another top health expert has warned that Professor Fukuda's departure would be a blow to the SAR. Vicky Wong reports. KG Fukuda, who's a former assistant director general at the World Health Organization, has been at the University of Hong Kong since 2016. His five-year contract comes to an end next year, and Ming Pao reports that the university's vice chancellor, Jiang Xiang, has decided it won't be renewed. Professor Fukuda is also a government advisor on the coronavirus crisis. Another member of the advisory team, Professor David Hui from the Chinese University, says if the report is true, HKU's move will have an impact on the territory. He says Professor Fukuda has offered many suggestions on Hong Kong's anti-epidemic measures and has been providing the public with information on how to fight the outbreak. Professor Hoi also describes Professor Fukuda as a talented man in the field of public health as well as a good friend. Police have arrested three men over a burglary at the Yamatai flat of a well-known collector from the mainland. Billions of dollars worth of calligraphy, coins and stamps were reportedly stolen from the home of Fu Chen Xiao last month. 
Senior Superintendent Ho Chin Ting says they've retrieved two of the coins and a 2.8 metre long piece of calligraphy said to be by Mao Zedong. Regarding the calligraphy, it was cut in half, yes. And according to our investigation, someone thought that the calligraphy was too long because it, it is about 2 and 2.8 meter long. It, it was very difficult to show it, to display it. That's why it was cut in half. A private funeral has been held for Taiwan's former president, Li Teng The BBC's Cindy Su reports from Taipei. In a low-key Christian ceremony not open to the public, former President Li Donghui's ashes were interred at a military cemetery on Wednesday. Considered by many as the father of Taiwan's democracy, Li allowed Taiwanese people to elect their legislators and president for the first time in the 1990s, laying the foundation for the vibrant democracy Taiwan is today. However, he is also accused of selling out Taiwan by claiming the island and Japan are part of one country and criticized for fueling tensions with Beijing. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. The Education Secretary Kevin Young has denied claims that the government's investigation into a teacher struck off over the alleged use of pro-independence material was lax and incomprehensive. But activists are decrying the move, likening it to a cultural revolution-style purge of teachers. Francis Sitt reports. The government's decision to deregister a teacher over allegations relating to Hong Kong independence is continuing to draw criticism from the pro-democracy camp and some of the territory's teaching unions. They said the move is an erosion of academic autonomy and clear political interference intended to have a chilling effect. They also said it is unfair for officials to overrule the school's own verdict that the teacher did nothing wrong. Lu Ng from the Progressive Teachers Alliance is worried that more teachers will be disqualified in the near future, and educators will censor themselves when sensitive topics like civil rights, social equality and law and order are taught in school. It's the biggest threat we've ever faced in our education sector. It seemed to me that the learning and teaching materials, they just want only one source. Everything should be all good about the Hong Kong government or China. The teachers at school, while they select the materials or prepare their lessons, they will be very careful. I think they will try to choose some what we call the safe materials. In that way, the materials chosen definitely will just go on one side, but not having a multiple perspective for the students. The Professional Teachers Union, which has been helping the teachers struck off, also said the authorities' investigation was not carried out in a fair manner. Lawmaker Ipkin Yun said the Education Bureau refused to meet the teacher in person, and it reached its conclusion solely by looking at teaching materials. But on an RTHK program, Education Secretary Kevin Young said there had been a thorough investigation and the teacher's written submissions had been carefully considered. He said the teacher may not have taught the material to students himself, but he should still be held responsible for deciding the lesson, which covered Hong Kong independence and the banned Hong Kong National Party. RTHK has learned that the Education Bureau spoke to students at the school and none of them said they supported the idea of Hong Kong independence. But Mr. Yuan says the students' political stance isn't really the point. Even though the students weren't affected, there were still huge problems with the design of the class and its aim, and we have to hold the teacher responsible, Mr. Yuan said. 
deaths. Mr. It meanwhile said the teacher in fault will launch an appeal in a few days' time and will seek a judicial review if that fails. Former Chief Executive Siwei Leung has called on the Alliance Primary School in Kowloon Tong, or parents of pupils there, to disclose the name of the teacher struck off. Tom McAlendon has details. C.Y. Leung, who's a vice chairman of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, says it's absurd that the teacher's identity has not been revealed. During an interview with DAB lawmaker Elizabeth Quatt, which was streamed on the party's Facebook page, the former CE urged the school to tell people who the teacher is. If any parents know, they must come forward with the name, he added. Mr. Leung said the education sector cannot be humiliated by the actions of a few black sheep, and he suggested there could be legal action if the school doesn't make the teacher's identity identity public. He also claimed that the teacher's behaviour would have been a national security offence if it happened after July the 1st, and he said teachers must serve in accordance with the security legislation. In an unusual move, the judiciary has published a number of judgments by a former magistrate who had come under fire from pro-establishment figures and recently took up new administrative duties at the High Court. Seven judgments made by former Eastern Court Magistrate Stanley Ho between June and August this year are now available online on the judiciary's legal reference system. The published decisions involve a handful of cases relating to anti-government protests last year. RTHK understands that it is rare for the judiciary to publish decisions at the magistrate level unless they relate to high-profile cases. Legal sector lawmaker Dennis Kwok says the move appears to be aimed at those who criticise judgments without reading them. The Chief Justice has always emphasised that before one is to offer criticisms of a judgment or a ruling by a court, one must always look at um, uh, the reasoning and the judgment itself, look at the factual basis and how a certain judge or court arrive at the conclusion that it did, and that is the objective basis in which one should judge a judicial ruling. So I think the practice of publishing judgments is part of open justice that we have, and I think this move by the judiciary is aimed at those who wishes to criticize a certain judgment, but before doing so, they should actually read the judgment itself before offering their opinion. Mr Quark was asked whether this was a wise move from the judiciary as it may look like they're bowing to pressure. I've always encouraged the judiciary to publish all judgments handed down, provided that you know there are no special reasons for redacting certain parts of the judgment. I believe that open access to justice and also openness and transparency has always been very important for the rule of law. So I've always encouraged the judiciary to publish as many judgments as possible. RTHK has asked the judiciary for a comment. Police say they've made two arrests over a brawl at a Chimchachoy bar that left one person dead and three others injured. Detectives say two rival gangs got into a fight at the bar on Austin Road in the early hours of Tuesday morning. A 40-year-old man and a 25-year-old foreign woman are being held in connection with the case. Customs officers have seized plants that were being smuggled to the mainland amid a rising trend of the illicit trade as visitors can't come to shop in Hong Kong because of the pandemic. Among the 300 plants confiscated in an operation on Monday were orchids from Japan and succulents from South America. Authorities also seized dried seafood, electronic devices, wine, skincare products and cosmetics. The haul was worth more than $12 million in total.
Property Services Company, CBRE, says that the prime shopping area of Causeway Bay is undergoing a reshuffle in its offerings as retail rentals continue to be battered by the coronavirus pandemic. It says high street shop rents in the third quarter fell 5.7% compared to the previous three-month period. But the company says it expects a slight pickup in leasing activity in the remaining months of the year if the local epidemic situation stays under control. Here's Lawrence Wan, a senior director at CBRE. We already see there is some changes in the Causeway Bay area. From Sogol to Russell Street Times Square, there are already six supermarkets in that area. And uh, the latest one will be the IT group, the Isui. They separate some of their shop area to become a grocery or supermarket items for selling that kind of items. A study shows the total wealth of billionaires in Hong Kong swelled by 14% between April and July to 356 billion US dollars. UBS and PwC say this is despite the number of billionaires falling by 2 to 65. Globally, billionaire wealth surged to 10.2 trillion US dollars, with the Asia Pacific region accounting for a third of it. Here's Dominic Schneider from the UBS Wealth Management Chief Investment Office. It's clear that China was first affected by the pandemic and, and came out very, very quickly. I think that's one element that was beneficial for APEC. That's one factor. The other factor is that there is a lot of entrepreneurs in the area of healthcare and technology, which makes a big difference. I think that is also a factor to contribute. And I think these are the key elements uh, when you ask me why we have seen such a bounce in relative terms. Uh, with regards to other regions like Europe and the US will still today struggle quite strongly with the, the pandemic. This year's Nobel Prize for Chemistry has been awarded to two women for their development of a revolutionary gene editing technique. Emmanuel Charpentier from France and her American colleague Jennifer Didner are the first women to share the prize without a male collaborator. Speaking to reporters, Ms Charpentier said it was a significant development. It's quite reflective of what is happening in others. I hope it will remain as such, but it's reflective of the fact that science becomes more modern and involves more uh, female leaders. And I do hope that it will remain and even develop more in this direction, because it's obviously maybe more cumbersome to be a woman in science than being a man in science. The work has paved the way for specific genes to be cut out of living organisms. A reminder of our top stories tonight, a health expert urges the government to consider tightening social distancing rules, the University of Hong Kong reportedly decides not to renew the contract of an internationally renowned pandemic expert, and Taiwan lays to rest former President Li Tenghui. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 it's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. A study commissioned by the city's equality watchdog suggests some people in Hong Kong are unaware they're harbouring deep-rooted gender stereotypes. The Equal Opportunities Commission noted that women are underrepresented in LegCo and the district councils and sought to look into the public's perceptions of female political leaders and the obstacles they face. Dr. Farrakh Chu from The Watchdog told Anna-Marie Evans that it's easy to see how women are underrepresented in local politics. 
Well, just two examples of the 216 metrical uh, election. Only 17% uh, represent uh, in, in the electoral. Uh, for the uh, recent you know, district council uh, election, only 19% represent in, in the council. So it's uh, really low. And for you know, directory grade officer in the civil service, the percentage is just up to uh, 38%, which is quite low. So how, what's being done in order to uh, address that imbalance? Well, uh, according to the research team, they recommend five major areas. Uh, the first one is to do more public education to, you know, uh, eliminate the so-called gender stereotyping thinking. And the second thing is to promote more family, family policy. Uh, I mean, uh, ask the employer to introduce more such policy. You know, most of the female leaders, one of the hardships that they face is to juggle between their family responsibility, their caring duty, which is uh, usually the, the, the gender role, uh, traditional gender role of women. Uh, so with this introduction of family family policy, it may help them to take up more you know, leadership role. Uh, the third thing that they recommend is uh, training and mentorship for female leaders. And the fourth area is to, you know, institutionalize, uh, you know, uh, encouragement of female leaders to promote uh, through the ladder, uh, such as uh, building up more female leader networks. And the final thing, well, perhaps uh, is still not that uh, being accepted by the general public and even some, you know, political leader, uh, is the uh, idea of introducing uh, gender targets or, you know, gender quota. Uh, because, you know, uh, in Hong Kong, most people still believe in uh, meritocracy, which is rightly so. Uh, but the thing is, uh, women are so underrepresented in, in, in the current situation, uh, we can do some more progressive, uh, you know, uh, method to add more female leaders in the current, you know, uh, leadership position. Do you think that the public would be supportive of these ideas? Uh, well, I think for, for the first four ideas, I think they are supportive. But for the fifth one, uh, according to the, to the survey, uh, not many members of the public uh, support this idea. And that's why we recommend volunteer, uh, volunteer, uh, voluntary uh, gender quota instead of uh, mandatory ones. Negative perceptions of China have sharply increased among people in several advanced democracies. As Vicky Wong reports, the survey showed, while a majority of respondents didn't trust President Xi Jinping, President Trump fared even worse. A survey from the Pew Research Center of over 14,000 people in 14 countries showed a majority fought badly of China. 81% in Australia cited an unfavorable view, a rise of 24 percentage points from last year. Other countries with an upward trend were Britain with 74%, 71 in Germany and 73% in the United States. A median of 61% across the countries said China handled the coronavirus outbreak poorly. Even more, 84% said the US mishandled the outbreak. A median of 78% of respondents didn't trust President Xi Jinping to do the right thing in world affairs. Only President Trump had a worse reputation among those surveyed, with a median of 83% saying they don't trust him. The Science Parks as a training program it rolled out this year has helped fresh graduates land internships at its partner companies in the innovation and technology sector. The park's chief commercial officer, Claudia Zhu, says that the program is aimed at identifying and nurturing talent. She told Wendy Wong that she hopes it can help the development of the innovation and technology industry in Hong Kong. First of all, we recruit, you know, globally 
and uh, we receive over 600 applicants, and then we and let them go through a very rigorous, you know, screening process, and to demonstrate their not only the technical skills but also uh, certain stands of leadership and also communication skills and, and etc. And then they were so finally we chose eight talents, and they will go through 26 months of uh, and traineeship. In fact, the first two months is uh, really a trainee. The, the next 24 months is really a full-time job in the uh, companies they, 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 they selected. Can you just briefly talk about uh, what training did you offer uh, to these uh, participants? Mm -hmm. So within the two months traineeship at Science Park, they were uh, under the executive shadowing as the first part. Second part, they were uh, spent uh, one month in one technical unit and swap in the next month with another unit. And during this whole month, they will have to finish a mini project assigned by the unit head. And then the third part is that they were under take a special projects from day one until the end of two months traineeship. That does, um, so basically it's the four team members and, and as, as one team and do a very in-depth research on assigned topic. So there are two special projects. So basically uh, I think that's the key aspect. And of course they will receive trainings, they will visit some you know organizations, Oh, I, I forgot mentioning actually. They also have to organize one event by themselves. By themselves means that they will come up with a theme, they will recruit audience, they will organize the whole activities, get the things done. So as you can see, we expose them to a variety of um, you know activities and hopefully to train them up. The German Chancellor Angela Merkel has warned her compatriots that a difficult time lies ahead as the number of coronavirus cases continues to rise. Germany is one of the countries deemed to have handled the pandemic relatively well up to now. The BBC's Jenny Hill sent this report from Berlin. of an abandoned power station, fragments of redundant machinery cast ragged shadows in the glare of colourful stage lights. It's the perfect venue for a socially distanced piano concert. Daniel Kunal runs the Lausitz Arts Festival. In spite of corona, the show has gone on. There is always a risk. I think, though, and this is important to say, that culture means something. Um, it's, it's, it's a situation of complete lockdowns also means that Bach and Handel and uh, Shakespeare uh, and Goethe and Beethoven are just not saying what they have to say. And I believe that they have to say something very important about human condition, about how humans live in a crisis. Europe's leaders are already immersed in the second wave. At last week's EU summit, Angela Merkel, cautious as ever, urged an over-friendly Italian Prime Minister to keep his social distance. 
Germany's case numbers are rising, though they're still significantly lower than those of France, Spain, Britain. I don't think it's got anything to do with Teutonic characteristics. Professor Thomas Schultz runs the Institute of Virology at the Hanover Medical School. There's a strong chance that things might get out of control. I think it is really down to how effectively the public health institutions can track cases and stamp out cases. So far, they've been doing a pretty good job. In a country traditionally obsessed with fresh air, there's a renewed respect for ventilation. At this factory in Bavaria, workers toil away at sheets of metal. The government now advises and funds organisations to install airing systems like those produced here. The firm expects a busy autumn because since the pandemic began, they've also developed an air purifier designed to filter out aerosols from classrooms. To get a corona infection, it's not only that you have one aerosol, but you need to have a certain concentration of aerosols to really be infected. Thomas Kneipp is the chief executive of the company, Wolf. If we can at least reduce the, the risk of being infected significantly for everyone in, uh, in the classroom, then it's great. There's no 100% certainty. The stores of this typical German market are alive with the colours of autumn. Shoppers eye up the pumpkins and squashes and plums. As the season changes, new concerns arise. Life, after all, is about to move back indoors. In towns and cities across this country, officials are trying to work out how to keep infections under control. There's lots of debate. Should masks be worn in outdoor spaces? Should alcohol sales be banned at night? But all agree on this. Germany simply cannot afford a second lockdown. In the upcoming US presidential election, both candidates have put religion at the centre of their campaign. Although white evangelicals helped Donald Trump into the White House in 2016, this year the picture is more complex. In the Bible Belt state of North Carolina, there's less than a percentage point between the two candidates. The BBC's Libo de Seco has been speaking to Christian voters in this swing state. This is North Carolina. Donald Trump won big here in 2016, helped in part by the white evangelical vote. I would describe myself politically as a Christian conservative patriot. That's what I'm looking for. Make sure you can see it through the rear. According to exit polls, eight out of ten evangelicals, like firearms instructor Rhonda Allen, voted for Donald Trump. She says he was someone who promised to defend her way of life and her religion. My faith and my relationship with Jesus Christ is paramount, is the utmost importance. It rules my decisions. Our leadership dictates the society that we live in, and I would prefer that it continue to stay the God-centered country that it was originally created to be. But this year, the race is tight, with Joe Biden ahead by less than a percentage point in North Carolina. And it could be a different type of Christian that helps to swing this state. Pastor Michael Brickhouse offers drive-through meals for the needy at his church on the outskirts of the state capital, Raleigh. The coronavirus pandemic and the job losses it's brought have hit black and Latino communities disproportionately hard here, with demand for the pastor's meals increasing tenfold. 
the black Christian vote is more energized this election cycle because what we have seen is that lives really do depend on it. And he wants everyone in his congregation to get out and vote. I do not believe that President Trump stands for Christian values. I believe that President Trump prays on the Christian faith in order to seek re-election. Black Christians are an important political force. More than a quarter of all Christians in the U.S. are black or Latino, and these groups generally vote for the Democratic Party. In Charlotte, home of the evangelical preacher Billy Graham, Republicans are hoping to win over swing voters like 19-year-old Rose Ortiz. Some pros for Trump would be the abortion as a Christian. That is something that God would like to see is no abortions. So that is something I do uh, agree with on Trump's side. Latino Christians like Rose have been called the ultimate swing voter. Nearly half are Catholic and likely to lean conservative on issues like abortion. But Donald Trump's stance on immigration makes things difficult. Rose's mother is from Honduras and the temporary scheme which allowed her to be in the U.S. is now in limbo. If I could choose what I would like to see in a candidate, I would really like to see him give a chance to immigrants and just give them an opportunity to live in this country and to live free and not have to worry about getting deported or anything like that. I just would really love to see something like that happen. All of the Christians I've been speaking with are worried about what's happening in America. And while they may differ on what they think should be done, what they have in common is their faith. It is the lens through which they see the world, including politics. And that is why it looks like Jesus will be key to winning this election. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Steve Danton from our newsroom. The symptoms of COVID-19 can be mild. Don't go to work or school if feeling unwell. Wear a mask and consult a doctor promptly. Ask doctors at accident and emergency departments, general outpatient clinics, private hospitals, or clinics for free testing provided by the Department of Health. Return the specimen to a designated collection point or use the door-to-door -door specimen collection service for a fee. Test promptly for early detection. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to remember. 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 Well, there you are. Moments to remember. Nostalgia with Ray Codero all the way until 1 a.m.
was the beautiful Capatina, played by Manuel, and the music of the mountains. Nostalgia begins right there. Let's welcome Jim Reeves for a start. Welcome to my world Won't you come on in Miracles I guess Still happen now and then Step into 